Hi everyone and thank you for joining us on this International Women's Day podcast with some members of the UJS team. My name is Dora and I'm the sabbatical officer for Jewish Engagement and Enrichment and Liberation and I'm joined by the men in our sabbatical team to talk about some of the women who have influenced their lives. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm the president this year. Hi, I'm Guy and I am the head officer this year. Hi, I am David and I'm the Israel Engagement Officer. So why don't we kick off just by thinking about a woman role model in your life who inspires you? I'm happy to go first. Um, my grandma Ruth is someone who's incredibly inspirational. <laughs> she speaks loads of different languages. She's lived in different countries. She fled from Germany to Denmark to Sweden to the UK and is someone who just was always interested in the world, always interesting, taught special needs students and has most for many years. And inspiration to, to me, she's very much the matriarch of our family. I think my mum, she's supported me with everything throughout. Um, she's been there for me, the amount of work she put into to raising me, to kind of help educate me, uh, and with everything that she's done with me. The gratitude I have is immense. And she really is a role model for me with everything that she's done. I mean, I have I have many uh, women in my ancestry who you know who have quite remarkable stories. One of my grandmothers, you know, she survived the Nazi occupation of France as a child, and my great grandmother on that side of the family, uh, despite being a family in hiding, volunteered to be a medic for the resistance under Nazi rule. I find that very inspiring, and that's this kind of perseverance that I hold on to to this day in my life. What do you think that men can do to make the world a safer and more equitable place for women? I think one of the things we can do is we can challenge toxic masculinity wherever it exists, whether it's on campus, in the workplace, we can ensure that we listen more and uh, don't let some of the fairly commonplace behaviours that we see go unchallenged. I completely echo that. I think that one of the behaviours that we see across society and by calling out toxic masculinity, when it happens, we can support women in our lives. I would add to that by by saying that you know all too often these forms of toxic masculinity go unchallenged, even in, like in casual settings, in settings that are supposed to be open to everyone, and this can leave bitter memories and sense of unease among you know women in our communal spaces and yeah it's important that we keep combating this jewish organizations in my experience i mean i'm speaking as someone who's like one of the very few queer people around those tables they can be very pale male and stale very often decisions are made by an unrepresentative group of people who don't necessarily understand the experiences they're on in our community so i think that's definitely the case with, with regards to age and gender as well it's important that in our decision making, we think about people who aren't always around those tables and we try and make them more representative. I was very privileged to take over from an inspiring female president, Nina Friedman, and I learned from her about the unique challenges often that women face, particularly in roles of leadership in the Jewish community. My formative political experience was the fight against anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and it was staggering to see just how much misogynistic anti-Semitism some, some of the people who, who lead our community face. Uh, what those four Jewish female Labour MPs at the time, Luciana Berger, Margaret Hodge, Ruth Smith and Louise Elman endured, was so much more and so much more vitriolic than their male Jewish counterparts in the party. And it was the women standing up for our community. 
So I think we, we see this kind of in terms of national politics. We also see it in student politics. Nina's spoken about her experiences. And so for us as male sabbatical officers, hearing their stories gave us an awareness of the kinds of things that, that people have to deal with, the barriers people overcome and things that we don't have to deal with. I completely echo that. I think the amazing people on the UJS team, the amazing women on the UJS team, both the sabbatical team and our wider team, continue to inspire me every day. Uh, the challenges they face professionally and otherwise are unique and the ways that they have been able to overcome them are really incredible. I think that seeing, as Joel said, the experiences that women have had with anti-Semitism and misogyny intersecting and increasing each other is an issue that as men we don't experience. Um, and we can learn a lot from those women and we can really uh, appreciate the bravery they've had in challenging these prejudices in these spaces. Yeah, in our in our communal spaces on, on campus, especially on campus, you know, there can sometimes be a culture of, you know, of toxic masculinity in, in some spaces that, you know, that can be exclusionary and put a woman down, make them feel sort of like, like an, an out group. And that is something that we need to keep combating. It's a general student problem, but, you know, at UJS, we really try and, you know, uh, guarantee as much safety and confidence as possible for women on campus in our in our communal spaces. And I think it's something that we definitely see in JSOFs as well. It's very easy for JSOFs to turn into spaces that have toxic masculinity. And I think once that's happened, it's hard for women to feel comfortable coming to JSOF events and to feel comfortable interacting with other people in these spaces. I hope that as the UJS team, we do a good job in trying to ensure that the spaces keep on being not toxic. But I'm also appreciative of all of the female activists on the ground. Um, who are full to ensure that they're being included in their JSOFs. Yeah, and I think this is this is something that, again, there are many things that we are aware of, issues that occur in JSOCs. We as an organisation don't shy away from the problems that exist in JSOCs. And I think very often, just to give an example of that kind of microaggression that, 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 that students tell me about, you can have a female JSOC present who's standing at the front of a room trying to get a room quiet, and a male member of the committee like just kind of thinks, oh, um, I'm going to, I'm going to sort this out and then stands up and, and gets the room quiet with like a, a deep and assertive voice. And that kind of thing might seem to that student like the right thing to do at the time. But what it does is it reinforces the idea that a man needs to be the person to, to take part in that. And I think we have a lot of conversations in the office about ownership. Um, and uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got given was that, you know, allyship in, entails different things at different times. Sometimes it's about standing in front of a, marginalized group when they're facing oppression and taking a bit of that heat sometimes it's about standing beside them and sometimes it's also about standing behind them and letting them speak and so that's why I think it's important that we only like enter into these conversations in a considered and considerate way once we've been invited to do so so I think this was a really interesting opportunity because we as men were asked to speak about these these, these issues for, for your podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking part and um, it was really interesting to hear your thoughts and also to hear you guys be committed as allies and that's really appreciated and really interesting so thank you so much thanks so much for having us thank you